Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Hey, great to have you this morning. Thank you for joining us here for uh, this final week. It's good I didn't get to see a show of hands. How many of you didn't enjoy 23andMe? But it's been a wonderful series. I can tell you that I personally uh, have been enriched as I have journeyed through uh, what is a very familiar text of Scripture, but I've allowed God to, to personally bring it to my heart in a fresh way, in a new way. It's been really special and really meaningful for me. Um, so for the past eight weeks, we have stood shoulder to shoulder alongside of a shepherd as he has carefully and as he's deliberately led his sheep. We have metabolized the, the many benefits that come Uh, by a sheep's trusting relationship toward the shepherd. And each week in the series, we've been really uh, emphasizing uh, the value that the sheep get basically from the first five words, the Lord is my shepherd. And there's so many wonderful benefits. In fact, as I've been reading the entire text of Scripture in Psalm 23, I've been emphasizing three words as I've read the text. Me, my and I. Those three words, me, my, and I, appear 17 times. 17 times in six verses. I mean, it's pretty profound. And hence the title of the series we chose, 23 and Me. And while we receive so many benefits as sheep in relationship with God, our shepherd, the reality is Psalm 23 really isn't about us. Psalm 23 is really about the shepherd. I mean, the focus of Psalm 23, the lead character in the narrative isn't the sheep, it's the shepherd. And so this morning, I want to read this passage one final time. And this time, I want to emphasize a different aspect of Psalm 23 as we bring this series to its conclusion this morning. And each week what I've been doing is I've been reading the passage in Psalm 23, and I've been providing some kind of imagery, a visual, a, a picture, a video, something that you can look at as I'm sharing the text. And this morning, I want to do that one final time. I want to leave you with one final imagery, one final reminder of what Psalm 23 is really all about. And God's incredible promise to us when the scripture says that the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Come on, buddy. Come on. Come on. I know you're a little nervous this morning. Come on. Come on. We'll bring you. Come on. Come on. You're good. You're good. Come on. Come on. Come on. I know there's a lot of, lot of people in here, aren't there? Huh? A lot of people. Come on. Come on. You come up with me. Ready? Let's go. I know. I know. You got a little buddy over there, but we're going we're gonna to move you along. Come on. I didn't bring my staff this morning, but I do have a little lead here to uh, guide my, my little friend along here. Come on. We're going to get right up here so everybody can see you. We want to say hi to you this morning. All right? Come on. Come on. I know. I know. You got a little friend out there waiting for you. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Come on. One more step up. Ready? There you go. How about that? He made it. Huh? He made it. Yeah. He's, he is not real sure what he thinks of all of you this morning. I want you to know that. He's not real sure. 
Let's take a look at Psalm 23. That's a beautiful lead-in, isn't it? Let's look together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Notice we had a good rhythm there as we were sharing that text this morning. I mean, here's the emphasis I want you to see this morning. Let's go back to the first part of Psalm chapter 23. I want you to notice the focus not on us, but on the shepherd. Verse number one, he is present. Verse number two, he makes and he leads. Verse number three, he restores and he guides. Verse number four, he abides and he comforts. Verse five, he prepares and he anoints. And finally, verse number six, he assures and he follows. We are more likened in scripture to sheep than we are to any other animal or anything else in scripture. He left me a little gift up there this morning, so. And I think there's a reason for that. I think there is a reminder to us that we, like this sheep, are stubborn We've got our own attitude at times. We want to go our own way. We want to do our own thing. We are fearful. We're intimidated. But in reality, the Lord is the one who guides us and leads us along the way. So when I think of Psalm 23, I honestly think of the author of Psalm 23, David. This is going to be fun to avoid here this morning. David uh, accumulated quite a beautiful resume in his relatively short life. David was just 70 years of age um, when he exited the earth. But in that time, David accomplished some incredible things, and David wore many different hats. David was a shepherd. He was also a soldier. David was a musician, but he was also a poet. David was a prophet, but he ultimately became king. And yet, most importantly, in David's life, the thing that he is most known for in all of Scripture is that David was a man after God's own heart. David's legacy inspires me, not just as a follower of Jesus, but his life also inspires me as a pastor. So early in my ministry, I, I read a verse of Scripture that I didn't realize at the time how profound it would be for me, but it, it quickly actually became a theme verse for my ministry, for the life that I wanted to live in obedience to God's calling on my life. And here's the verse in Psalm 78, verse 72. 
David shepherded them with integrity of heart. With skillful hands, he led them. David shepherded them with integrity of heart. With skillful hands, he led them. Those two words, integrity and skillful, they form the bedrock of Psalm 23. Because not only does the shepherd in Psalm 23, not only is he filled with integrity of heart, but the shepherd of Psalm 23, which David is the one penning the words, he also was filled with skillfulness. He knew how to lead the sheep. He also knew where to lead the sheep. He knew what they wanted, but he knew what they needed. And he knew that if they would trust him and they would follow him, they would ultimately not just get what they needed, but they would also come to a place and reach a point where they could say, what more could I possibly ever want? The Lord is my shepherd. And so last weekend and this weekend, we're focusing on the final verse of Psalm 23. And we're unpacking its meaning. And here's what it says. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David here ends Psalm 23 by proclaiming his deep abiding confidence in the shepherd. Where he begins is that I have confidence in the shepherd's leadership. Where he ends is I have confidence in the shepherd's character. Because his confidence actually had been substantiated and moved to a place of utter and complete assurance. He had complete confidence, not just in his ability to lead, but in the integrity of his heart that God as my shepherd can be trusted. And so he actually says here that, interestingly, he's being pursued. And sheep ultimately were being pursued by their shepherd. When they would wander off, they were pursued. When they reached their point of destination, they even then were feeling this pursuit, this being chased after by something. And listen, if sheep could speak, if if sheep could just say, Two words, I think the two words that sheep would say are found here in Psalm 23, verse 6. It would be the words goodness and loving kindness. Because that's the way the sheep had experienced their shepherd. Now, we touched on these last weekend, but I want to just take a a few moments as I lead into the final part of this verse by mentioning them Uh, really one more time, so that we can understand uh, the depth of meaning and significance, especially for those that weren't with us last weekend. So I said this Monday night at our one prayer, but as followers of Jesus Christ, we hold in tension the goodness of God against the bad things of life. And when I say we hold those things in tension, here's what I mean. Two things. I mean, first of all, that we don't have to reconcile them. We simply have to hold them. 
And the other thing I mean when I say that we hold them in tension is I mean that one does not cancel out the other. Here's the point. The goodness of God does not automatically erase all of the badness in life. I still think, speak, and do bad things from time to time. I sometimes am in a bad mood. I sometimes have a bad attitude. There are times that, that I am simply not in myself at a good place. That does not change the goodness of God. Neither does the bad experiences that we face in life. Neither does tornadoes or shootings down in the Oregon district. None of those things change or cancel out the goodness of God. So the goodness of God does not mean everything's good, but also the converse is true. The badness of life does not mean God is bad. We hold that intention. And when the scripture here says that goodness is following me, it is David's testament that there is something about the very character and nature of the shepherd that is just inherently good. It's inherently good. And last weekend, I didn't have time, but there's a beautiful illustration of this that's found in the Old Testament when David, who is now king, is actually going to find someone that the Bible says he can be good to. Not because of himself, but because of someone else. Because of Jonathan, the son of Saul, who was the king. Now in those days, when someone took over the kingship, everybody in the king's family that had preceded them were eliminated. They were, they were put in jail. They were expelled to another place. Uh, they were sometimes killed. But that's not what David does. In fact, 2 Samuel actually tells us what David does. Chapter 9, verse 7. David goes after someone in Saul's family, a grandson that is still alive. He finds out there's only one person still alive in Saul's family. His name's Mephibosheth. He is a child, a grandchild, a grandson of Saul who was lame in both feet, crippled. And when he finds him, here's what he says to him. Don't be afraid. Now surely he would have been afraid because the king is coming to him and he is related to the former king. But he says, do not be afraid, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. In other words, you're going to be like one of my children. I am adopting you, as it were, into our family, that you're going to become part of the king's family. That kindness, that goodness, was not because of Mephibosheth. In fact, his name means container of shame. And yet he received goodness and kindness because David had experienced goodness and kindness. Where did David learn to do this? He learned to do this in his relationship with God. He learned that God gave him something that he didn't deserve. That there were times in his life he was filled with shame. There were times that he knew what it was like to be bad and do bad things. And yet it did not erase or cancel out the goodness of God. Surely goodness follows us. 
but loving kindness also follows us. Now, last weekend I shared that word. Is in other places translated steadfast love. And so what that word means in the original Hebrew, it, it, it's a love that actually has no boundaries, no limits, no breaking point. It's a love that says, I'm going to love you regardless of your feelings or your response to me. Now listen this morning, this kind of love is not logical, but it is theological. In other words, this kind of love defies human logic, human reason, human understanding. Who in their right mind would love that way when they're not going to be loved in return? Who would continue to pursue someone with love and kindness, loving kindness, even when they're not going to give it back to them? It's not a logical love, but it is a love that is God logic because God made us for himself, which means God will never stop pursuing us. God is relentless in his pursuit of us. I like to think of this as God's stubborn love. It's a love that says, I'm going to love you as you are and not as you should be because you'll never be as you should be. So just deal with it. This is the kind of love that I have for you. And in the Old Testament, this word was used most often of God's covenant love with Israel. Now, we as a leadership team here are reading a book together. So we're reading it with our staff, or we're reading it with our directional leadership team, with our board. Um, and the book is called Pursuing God's Will Together. And in chapter 8 of the book, they talk about a covenant that, that, that binds a community together. And the author notes that that word uh, binds or covenant comes from the word fetter, which means to bind together, to pull together, to literally hold together. That is God's love for us. And one of the most incredible illustrations of this we have in the Old Testament, God's covenant love, this steadfast love, this loving kindness is actually a pretty disturbing story. Now, there are several places in the Bible that kind of make you bristle a little bit, okay? If you don't know that, maybe you haven't read enough of it, but, but there's some things in the Bible that you read and you just go, really? Did that really happen? Did, did God really say that? Did, did God really do what I just read? This is one of those stories. And, and the reason God does it is God wants to do something to illustrate his loving kindness. So he comes to a prophet we call him a minor prophet because it's a short book in the Old Testament. But this minor prophet actually doesn't become just the voice of God's loving kindness. He becomes a sermon illustration. His name's Hosea. And here's what it says in Hosea chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute in turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. So Hosea married Gomer, who was a prostitute. Now listen, if somebody walked into my office tomorrow, and they said to me, Pastor, I'm a prophet, and God spoke to me that I'm to marry a prostitute, how many of you know how I'd respond, Okay. I would probably tell them to go get a psychological evaluation, right? And, and really evaluate what God is speaking to you. This is one of those stories that justifies human logic. 
And yet God was making a point. The point was not about Hosea and it was not about Gomer. The point of the story was God's love. That God is going to love Israel no matter what. And we today are spiritual Israel. Now here's how the story ends in in chapter 3. Hosea marries Gomer. Gomer actually continues in her unfaithfulness. And she ends up being sold on a market, a, a sex slave market, to those who are interested in purchasing her. I mean, her life had completely spun out of control. And here's what happens. The Lord says to Hosea again, go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. So I bought her back. Listen, I I want this... I want this to settle in your heart today. You cannot do anything to make God love you more. And you cannot do anything to make God love you less. Because it's not up to you. This is what loving kindness is all about. And David is saying, the sheep have experienced goodness and that kind of enduring love from the shepherd. And then David ends the psalm by saying this in verse number six. He said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, where the key word in the first part of verse six was the word follow. Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me. The key word in the second part of verse 6 is the word dwell. It's the word dwell. The shepherd was not only responsible to guide the sheep, the shepherd was also responsible to reside with the sheep. So it was the shepherd's job when The shepherd lovingly guided the sheep to where were the best pastures and the quiet streams and the tablelands and a place where they could be free from enemies, where they could finally find true rest. The shepherd didn't leave them. And and there's consistency in this narrative. When you come to the New Testament and when the angel appears to the shepherds to tell them that the Son of God had just been born, the Christ child. Where does the angel appear to the shepherds? Out in their fields. Dwelling with the sheep. Keeping watch over their flock by night. They didn't leave the sheep. And it was the shepherd's responsibility to actually stay close to and near the sheep to make sure that they felt his closeness. Now, when the Bible uses this word dwell, it's actually a word that means to be at home or to finally be at rest in some place or someone. We often call a dwelling place a place where you put down your residency for a period of time. But a dwelling place can be more than a place. It can be a person. 
And this idea is that there is a place that the sheep have gotten to where they are completely and finally at home. They're finally at rest. They can say, as the songwriter said, all is well with my soul. That's the place they've gotten to. And David, throughout the Psalms, talks about this idea. He, he longs for this dwelling. In fact, Psalm 27 says in verse number four, one thing I have asked from the Lord, one thing that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Notice it, to behold the beauty of the Lord. I think that's what's happening in Psalm 23. I think they're at a place now where they actually are beholding the beauty of the shepherd. It's been a beautiful journey. There's been beautiful provision. They have beautifully been cared for. And their attention is now no longer down there. It's now here, looking at their shepherd, feeling the sense of, I have finally arrived at a place where I am home and I'm at rest. And I love the way David communicates Psalm 23, verse 6. He says, I will dwell. How long? He says, forever. Forever. Now, when you hear that word forever, most naturally our minds go to a duration of time. But actually that word forever is not speaking of a duration of time alone. And it's not speaking of quantity as much as it's speaking about quality. The word in the Hebrew and the combination of words for the word forever here, listen, is the word in perpetuity. That's pretty profound. Because what it means is that there is going to be something and a state of being that is going to go on without end, not simply in its duration, but in its relationship and in its benefits. It's not going to have a shelf life. That's what the word perpetuity means. It is a bond or an object of security that has no fixed maturity date. I think that's what David's saying. David is saying there is such a deep bond between the shepherd and the sheep that this goodness and loving kindness will not cease when I take my final breath, when my life on this earth is done. In fact, David is saying that goodness and loving kindness is not just going to follow you, but it's already preceded you into eternity. And it's waiting for you. So there is a duration, not just of time, but there is a duration of relationship and goodness. Listen to what I want to say this morning. Death may end a life as you know it. But according to the Bible, death is not the end of life. So while we were on vacation a couple of weeks ago, I got word that... um, an individual who I had become friends with because of their attendance here at Grace Crossing Church. They came to our church, he and his wife, in a state of tremendous brokenness. They had been uh, in counseling and in 
support with true relationships and found out about Grace Crossing Church and um, they had felt disconnected and unsafe where they were and they came to Grace Crossing Church and they found, as we often find, that they've experienced a place that was filled with healing and grace and kindness and love toward them. And he since, and his wife had since moved to the East Coast and I found out while we were on vacation that at the age of 54, he passed away of a sudden and unexpected heart attack. Listen, he took his last breath here. Life ended as he knew it here, but life did not end there. Because the shepherd always goes before to make sure that goodness and loving kindness is waiting for them. That's exactly what the good shepherd did for us. Jesus Christ came, and the Bible says that he didn't just come to live and show us God's loving kindness and goodness, but listen, he went before us. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. Now notice, for I go to what? Prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place, a dwelling place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. The promise of dwelling forever is not just bound to Psalm 23. It is a promise that got fulfilled in Jesus Christ who actually gave us the ultimate promise that as the good shepherd, I'm going before you and I'm going to prepare a place and you're gonna be with me and you're gonna be with me forever, not just in time, but there's going to be a state of being where you will enjoy my presence forever and forever. And that's what David meant when he said, the house of the Lord. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When David uses that term in Psalm 23, David is talking about both an end and a beginning. On one sense, David is saying, the journey for you in this cycle of my leadership is coming to an end. But life, as you are going to know it, is now just beginning anew. You see, it, David knew from personal experience that it wasn't the sheep's job to reach the destination. That was a charge that was given to the shepherd. It was the shepherd's job to guide, to protect, to provide, to lovingly care for, to make sure that the sheep got to where the sheep were intended to be. And when David says, the house of the Lord, it's very interesting when you look at that word in the scripture because in the scripture there are several meanings for the word house of the Lord. Several ways that it's applied. But the first time it ever appears, it gives us incredible insight into what David was talking about in Psalm 23. Because the first time it appears is all the way back in the book of Genesis when Jacob is on a journey running from his brother Esau. He is actually finding his way back 
to his family and back to God. And along the way, God meets him and appears to him while he's sleeping one night in a dream. And here's the incredible thing that happens when he wakes up. Genesis chapter 28, verses 16 and 17. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Now notice that combination, the the house of God. The word is Bethel, which is what Jacob named it. But notice the combination between the house of God and the gate of heaven. The idea is this. Heaven is not a place we're going to. Oh yes, it is a place that we will one time and one day fully experience, but there is a foretaste of heaven here on earth in the sense that we have God's presence here as a gateway, a foretaste, a foreshadowing that the best is yet to come. And we've not yet experienced the best. It's coming. What's so profound about this story is that Jacob acknowledges that God's presence was there, but he wasn't even aware. Has that ever been the case for you? Have you ever come to realize that God's presence was there all the time, but you were too distracted, you were too occupied, you were perhaps consumed by other things, to take advantage of his presence, to actually lean in to his presence. One of the things that God has been helping me grow in through the help of my spiritual director is the idea of paying more attention and becoming more aware in the ways that God is coming to me in ways that I can miss him. You see, the sheep at this point knew the nearness of the shepherd. They also knew his omnipresence. He wasn't going anywhere. And this morning, what I believe that the Lord would be pleased with is that if we made an opportunity for those who need to become maybe more aware of God's presence in their life right now to have an opportunity to lean into that. Because the Lord is here, this is the gateway to heaven. This is where we experience God for ourselves. You say, how do I become aware of his presence? I think one of the ways is by becoming aware of what's happening in your own life. Becoming more self-aware. What am I feeling? What's going on in me right now? Where is God trying to speak to me through my own emotions that he wants to wake me up to his presence? I think for us to know the nearness of the shepherd is one of the most important things in our lives. 
especially when we're filled with fear and anxiety. And I don't know about you, but I've been sensing a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety in our world, in our country as of late. I've been feeling it in our own community. Kelly and I were down at the Oregon District Wednesday night walking and praying for our city, looking at the growing memorial and watching what God was doing in our city, paying attention. And this morning, there are two things I felt that we needed to do by way of availing ourselves to the gateway of heaven, to the presence of God, that we not walk out of here and not be aware of his presence here. One, that we pray for those who are filled with fear and anxiety for whatever reason, whatever may be causing it. Maybe you can't even put your finger on what's causing it. And then secondly, those who are desiring healing in their life right now. And so Megan's going to come back and Zach and what I'd like you to do is stand with me this morning and I want to pray. And uh, as I pray uh, this final prayer for our series, we're going to have some people and some folks come up here to the front and actually line their way on the front, in the front of the auditorium this morning. Um, I'm going to close in prayer and then we're going to move immediately into a song, but if, if, if you at that point um, would like to be dismissed, you can feel free to do so. Um, this morning, if you'd like to remain here for a few moments and um, join us in prayer, perhaps you're not wanting or needing to come forward, but you are desiring to be in the presence of God. You're desiring to be more aware of his presence. Then we would invite you to stay and be seated and just join us if you'd like to do that. So those that are going to pray, would you please come toward the front here and join us? Um, and we're going to provide opportunity for you to, to come this morning and to just receive prayer. Uh, Dale and Nita, if I could have you maybe come on the other side here for us. Would you pray with me this morning? Let's bow our heads together and let me lead us in prayer and then we'll invite you to, to come forward. Father, we just want to submit our hearts to you this morning. We first of all recognize that you are our good shepherd. We have been reminded throughout this entire series of your faithfulness, of your reliability, your goodness, and your loving kindness. God, as we've received, our hearts have become full of the awareness of your presence here. We don't want to go through our lives in a, in a state like dr dreaming where we're missing your presence, where we're unaware that you're here, we're unaware the way that you're speaking. So this morning, God, we just want to take some time and we want to make an opportunity and we know that you're here. We know that this is the house of the Lord, the gateway to heaven. And so for those, Lord, that desire prayer for fear and anxiety and or for healing, uh, for those that would like to just linger and pray in your presence, pray that you would meet us in a special way this morning. And pray, God, that you would touch us and bring your grace, your goodness, and your loving kindness to bear on our hearts today. We love you. We thank you for it. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. 
To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.